Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Again, thank you for being here this morning, and I'm really, really excited to be here, everybody. Like, I mean that. I really am. Last week, we had a great time away, my family and I, in Myrtle Beach, and we were worshiping Jesus at Seacoast Church in South Carolina, and it was awesome, but it wasn't home. It was, it's not home, right? There's just something about being home, and, and so I'm thankful to be in this space. And listen, you are getting what you can only get by being here. Give yourself a hand clap this morning. There is no online family. I can say whatever I want. There's no sound bites. There's nothing that can get taken out of context in the internet. Um, and so I'm excited for that as well. But that'll all make sense as we get into this message this morning. I want to share with you, honestly, just like as the pastor of Blaze Church, can I do that? Like, I just, I'm going to be very just like we're sitting down at my house and we're just having coffee. And I'm going to share with you what it's felt like for me to go through this global pandemic and to continue to climb through it um, as a pastor, as someone who just has the privilege to lead people to know God in this capacity. And this series, Rethinking the Church, was birthed out of a psalm that I was reading, and I felt the Holy Spirit was really stirring my heart to just stay in this psalm until it was time for me to bring all of us into the psalm. You ever have that, like where God's just speaking to you personally and then there's just this opening to say, okay, now it's time to bring everybody into the conversation. And so I want to read right from the start, Psalm 92, and I'm going to read these verses, and then I'm going to ask you to read one of the verses specifically, and it's one that we're going to say every single week throughout this series. But this is a psalm, it's a prayer, it's a worship song, and it's the heart of a man named David. And he says this, the righteous flourish like the palm trees. And they grow like the cedars in Lebanon. And that just simply means the cedars of Lebanon were like these giant trees. They were very, very strong. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Doesn't that verse just give you all the feels? <laughs> Come on, doesn't that verse just do something in your heart and make you feel like, man, I want that. How many after hearing that you'd say, I want that? Like, I want to be just planted. I, I want to be strong. Like, I want to be an older age and still be producing fruit in my life. I don't know about the sappy part, but I, I want to just, I want to still be producing fruit even in my older age. And there's a key verse that causes the promises of what we're hearing in this passage. And it's verse 13. And I wanted to personalize the verse for us to say together. And so look at the screen now, verse 13, and it's personal. So can we read this out loud together? This is our declaration through this series. Come on, let's say it. I am planted in the house of the Lord. I flourish in the courts of my God. That is my prayer for you this month. And not just this month, but every day that you serve Jesus that that would be your declaration, that you would declare, I'm planted in his house. 
I'm planted in his presence. And because of that, there is a flourishing in my life. There is fruit bearing in my life. There, there, there's sap in my life. There, there's just goodness flowing. What do you say at the end? I can declare that God is righteous, that he is rock. Guys, this is our prayer for you at Blaze Church. You know, we have a vision. It's that we would blaze the way that people might know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We believe that that is the spiritual journey that every person is on, and it begins with knowing the Lord. And today, I want to talk to you about how you can know God and something very practically that we are called to do as believers so that we might flourish in his courts. You know, as we continue to, to climb through this season as a humanity, really, we've, we've lived through some very hard things. We've lived through a national shutdown here. We've lived through a whole lot of stay-at-home orders. And with that being a part of our culture now, I've seen and found that it's very easy for us to just kind of shift our view of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's just easy now to just shift our view of gathering together in one space. I mean, that worked, but does it still work? Is it still the only way? Is it still what we are to do? Can't we connect with one another in a different way? And so we're going to talk about how to rethink the church all month long. We're going to talk about what it means, rethinking the church. You know, the word church is a little hard to understand, isn't it? You can say yes there. It's okay. It's a, little, it's a little tricky. In fact, think about it. The church, you ever play the game person, place, or thing? Like, it, it could be anything of that. Like, the, ch- the word church, if you think about it, when we say the church, you've got, okay, is it, is it a place? Like, you came to church today? Is it, is it a, a, a service? Like, after church, we're going to eat some food? Okay, so am I talking about the location? Am I talking about the experience? Or you've heard it used describing people. We just want to thank the church for providing groceries to us this week. Anybody confused? Some hands out there. Okay, all of your hands should be up. I'm confused, okay? Because when you think about it, that word church, it's like, well, what is it then? Is it a place that we go to? Is it a people that come together? Is it a service and an experience? What exactly is church? And that's what we're going to talk about all month long. There's another prayer of David, and I want it to be our prayer. It's just one verse, and maybe you've heard it before. Psalm 27, 4, he says this, one thing. Can you say that with me? One thing, one thing. What's the one thing David asked for? He says, one thing I ask from the Lord. Is it for a new camel? Is it, maybe I just need some more tents, God. I, I really could use some more food or a new job. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing, David says. Last week, Joe Coyote did a phenomenal job walking us through Hook and what it means to live for Jesus. And he started off with that question, what's the one thing that Long Islanders are living for, right? Remember that if you were here, bagels or greener grass or whatever. What's the one thing we're living for? Let me ask you this question based on the verse. What's the one thing you're asking God for? Think about your prayers. Think about your journal entries. Think about the time you spend with Jesus where you're just asking him, Jesus, I need this. I I need to experience. What's the one thing you're asking God for? 
how many of us would say the one thing I'm asking him for is I want to be in the house of the Lord. Is I, I just want to be, I contextualize it, in church. I just want to be dwelling in the temple of God. Now, I have this spiritual gift of reading minds, okay? No, I don't. Thank you for laughing. You know it's not real. But I, I, know it's your, I know the thoughts that come in. Yeah, but hold on, Pastor Keith. Are you saying that the only way to experience the presence of God is to gather in this space or to gather in a church? I mean, we, this is the Old Testament. Now Jesus has come. Okay, don't cancel me yet, okay? I got another 16 minutes and 37 seconds before you have to cancel me, okay? Just stay with me. We're going to work through this together. All I know is when I read that verse, there's something in me that says, if David's prayer was one thing I want to be in the house of the Lord, how great would it be if we all adopted that prayer in our lives? Do you think your life would get better or get worse if you started to pray, I'm just looking forward to Sunday. Looking forward to, to just gathering with others in his house, in a place with the people of God. So what we're going to do is we are going to look at a moment in Jewish history, since we're reading from the Old Testament, we're going to look at a time where the people of God were forced out of their homeland. They were brought into captivity for 70 years, and then they were given the ability to go back to Jerusalem. And under the leadership of Nehemiah and Ezra, they started to rebuild a little bit. And in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall to protect their city so that they could then rebuild the temple where they could dwell in to meet with God. But before they build the temple and after they have the wall, the people do something that is remarkable. And I want to walk you through what they do and show you why this tension that we have this morning, that we're all kind of feeling and dancing around, do we have to gather in this space can't we just gather online? Can't we just be connected in other ways? That tension, I want to show you how they navigated the tension like 500 years before Christ even came and see what we can learn. So Nehemiah chapter eight says, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people, what are those two words? Came together as one in the square before the water gate. It says in the seventh month, after what? What did they do? They settled in their towns. Guys, they had been captive for 70 years. They didn't have towns of their own. They lived as slaves. They were under the, the leadership and the dictatorship of pagan kings Cyrus, Nebuchadnezzar, and all of these empires, they finally get their homes back. They're finally settling down. And what they do is they leave their homes and they gather together. Gather together. There's four things that I want to show you this month that Blaze Church puts a priority on. And this is the first thing we put a priority on. We are a church that will gather together. I'm going to say it again and see if I get an amen or two. We are a church that will gather together. So you just need a little encouragement there. We're going to get this down, all right? How many are actually thankful that we do that? We're a church that gathers together. We're a church that is smart. We're a church that is wise. We're a church that is safe. We're a church that has followed mandates and done what we needed to do. And we are a church that will gather together because we see it 
throughout the history of the people of God. We're looking back before Christ came, and the first thing these people do once they have their homes is they come and they gather together. And everything else that is going to follow follows because they gather together. Do you know that when God created the world, he said that everything was what? Who knows the word? Everything was good. Everything was good. It was fruits, vegetables, pizza, at least in my translation. It, it was just all, it was all, everything there in the garden. Veggie pies, cauliflower crust. Oh, that's disgusting. If you're eating that, stop it right now. Get yourself a meat lover's pie. <laughs> it was after the fall. It's like, we can eat meat now. Thank you, Genesis chapter six. But here, here it is. Everything was good. Do you know there was actually one thing that was not good? I'll show you. He, God says this in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is, what's the word there? Not good for the man to what? Be alone. All the ladies should say amen right there. Thank you for coming to our aid. What, is God, what does God say there? The one thing, the one thing in perfect creation, in perfect garden of Eden, the one thing that's not good is he recognizes isolation is not good disconnection from others is not good. He says the one thing is that you need to be connected. Do you know that you were created for community? That when scripture says that we bear the image of God, we do not do so as isolated individuals, but as a collective people group that bear the image of God together. I don't have the full image of God in me. I need you to have some gifts that I don't have. I need you to come alongside with me and we as the church bear the image of God to this world. People look and they see, wow, you've got the gift of mercy. You've got, you got the gift of discernment. You've got the gift of hospitality. And through our collectiveness, we are bearing his image. It's not good for you to be alone. So we have to rethink this as a church. We have to rethink, have we just embraced conveniency and complacency and said, yeah, but can't I just be the church on my own in my home? God says it's not good for us to be alone. And so the people of God, after settling in their towns, leave their homes. It's inconvenient. No one said it was easy. I'm sure there's a little pushback. We just got here. I'm trying to grow grass. I can't leave my home. I'm, I'm working on this. Pro I've got stuff going on. I can't leave. No, no, we're going to gather together and then look at everything that they do. I'm going to show you church in Nehemiah chapter eight. Look at everything they do and think about what we do. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of, what does that say? Men and women and all who were able to understand. The first thing that we see take place because the people chose to leave their homes and gather together is there is diversity in their coming together. There is men and women, all who are able to understand, meaning it wasn't just the men that came. It wasn't just one group of people that came. It wasn't just the Jewish people. If there were foreigners with them, they gathered together. They came together as a diverse group of people. Can you take a moment to just look around this room for a second? You don't have to worry about online because they ain't here. Just right here. This is it. Do you see the diversity in this space? Do you see men and women? Do you see different ages? Do you see different races? If we had an opportunity to share with each other, you don't have to be offended, bro. It's all good. If we had, it's like, this is too diverse for me. I'm out. I'm telling you, when I'm not online, man, I mean, things just start to fly. 
if, if we just take a moment, we can see like, he, I'm gonna come to this side. He wants to come over there. We just, we just take a look. We're a diverse group. If we could share with one another our beliefs and opinions, our persuasions about political things, about mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. If we got time to share, you know what we'd find in this space? Diversity. What I love about Blaze Church, and if I can applaud you for a moment, is that we have navigated this season as a diverse church and we have not become a divisive church. Come on, that's worth celebrating. We've been a diverse church without it leading to diversity. But if all we did was say, I'm going to stay in my home, I'm not going to gather with others because when I come in, I'm offended by that person. Did you see what they were wearing? Oh, I saw their bumper stickers. (laughs) I'm not going to that church anymore. They go there. We can't. If you want that, then you stay home. There's a quote by D.A. Carson. He's just a brilliant theologian, pastor of our time. And it's a long quote, but I want to read you the whole thing because I really couldn't do it justice without reading it. So it's like six slides. Stay with me, Derek. Ideally, the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. Christians come together not because they form a natural collocation, but because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. In the light of this common allegiance, in light of the fact that they have all been loved by Jesus himself, they commit themselves to doing what he says, and he commands them to love one another. In this light, I love this summary, in this light, they are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. That is the church that gathers together. Because if you don't want to have to love people who are not like you, today all you have to do is tune in to church. And you never have to be offended by another person again. And you can just work it out between you and Jesus, but by doing that, you have no opportunity to obey the command of Jesus, which is love one another. So instead, we gather together in environments like this and in small groups so that we as the diverse church might have opportunity to obey the command of Jesus and love one another. And say, wow, you feel differently about the issue that I feel, but isn't it great that our common allegiance is to Jesus Christ? I don't find my identity in my politics, in my views, in any of that. It's in Jesus Christ. And so a diverse group comes together. So the men and women gathered, and it says in the next verse that he read aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. In case your math isn't that great, Ezra stands up and has a five to six hour sermon, everybody. And because I want to pattern my life after scripture, you are locked in for the next five to six. I'm just... But isn't that, ama- isn't that amazing what happens? What's, what's taking place? Exactly what we're experiencing together right now. Someone stood up and started to read scripture. That happens when we gather together. You might say, yeah, but Pastor Keith, can I read the Bible on my own? Yeah, you should. We should have that moment throughout the week where we are going into God's word ourselves, but that does not negate the need for us to gather together and collectively hear the word of God read. 
and track in the same passage together. And so they do that. And then Ezra, the teacher of the law, he stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and a bunch of other names that I'm not going to try to pronounce this morning, but you get the picture. Here's what that means. Ezra stood up, but he stood up as the dream team stood around him. You see all those names up there? All those people were there because all those people left the town they settled in and gathered together. See, when you're not here, you're not here. (laughs) When you say things twice, it sounds way smarter. When you're not here, your presence is not here. You're missing. And you may think, yeah, but what's the big deal? I want you to know that every single one of you that are here this morning, even without you knowing it, you are a blessing to someone else who is in this space this morning. They're looking around this room and they're seeing, wow, that person goes here. I didn't know them. Or your smile, the way you have a cup of coffee, holding the door open, serving on the dream team. I love it. My, my children absolutely love Blaze Kids. Blaze Kids is happening on the other side of that wall right now, and they're incredibly gifted Blaze Kids dream teamers that are serving. And my son is always, he's always asking, is Mr. Aaron going to be my teacher today? I hope Mr. Matt's there. I can't wait to see Mr. Adam. And I say that because there's a generation on that side of the wall that is being influenced by your presence being here. And there are parents on this side of the wall that are thankful that you showed up to make a difference in their kids' lives today. See, when you're not here, you're not here. Your presence is missing. And yes, could you stay home and could you check in? And and yeah, yeah but you're missing. Somebody's missing you. Somebody's day is different because they didn't see you. And Ezra stood up there with his his group, with his dream team, and they made a difference together. It says that Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up and Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded. Let's respond like they did. What do they say? Amen, amen. Maybe you're wondering, why do people say that? It simply means like, I'm tracking with you. Yeah, I agree. Let let it be that I'm with you. That's why we say that as we're hearing the word of God and the people do that. And then they bow down and they worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. What are they doing? They're worshiping now. They're reading scripture. They're gathering together. They're worshiping. You know, two weeks ago when the fake cane came through, that hurricane that never happened, that made a shut church down, the the fake cane. When that, when that came through, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I genuinely, I tried to worship at home and it just wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. Last week we were away, had the privilege to worship with Seacoast Church and then I was catching the stream later at night and it just wasn't the same. To be in the same space as people singing and, and raising my hands and, and just the room, just worshiping the God, saying amen and amen. And they understood that and they gathered together to worship the Lord. And so that's, I hope you're seeing what we do here, we just get it from scripture. We, we get, they gather together and they read the word and they worship the Lord. And there's two more things we're going to see. It says the Levites, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Ukub, all these people, all the Levites, they instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. Now look at verse eight. I love this verse. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear 
and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. You know, when we started six years ago, we had a phrase that we were sharing with one another, and it was, we want make it make sense preaching. How many are thankful that Blaze Church is a make it make sense preaching church? Like, I don't know if you've ever had experience where you, you went somewhere or even on your own, you were reading, you read it, you closed it, and you said, I have no idea. Am I supposed to go and like kill somebody? I'm reading the Old Testament, like slaughter the Amalekites. I don't, what do I do with this? Yeah, the people of God, they needed to gather together so that Ezra and Nehemiah could give meaning to the text that was being read. Today, I have the privilege to stand here as Ezra did and give meaning to the text that's being read. As we're wrestling through the tension, do we have to gather or can we just stay online? I want to give you clear meaning that we're getting from Scripture. The people didn't get the clear meaning. The next verse says they didn't understand. Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Like they literally weren't getting it. They were hearing it read and their response was not the appropriate response. And so Nehemiah does what we call here at Blaze Church. He gives them some next steps. He just said, here's what you're supposed to do. And he says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Literally the opposite of what you're doing, weeping and mourning. You need to go and have a good meal and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. Why not? Say it with me. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. Maybe you've said that before, but you didn't realize the context of it was found when the people of God gathered together. It was there that they discovered this principle, not on their own, but rather when they came together and discovered it's the joy of the Lord that will strengthen us. And so Nehemiah says, stop crying. Go get you some steaks. Get a vanilla Coke or three. Like get some sweet drinks and, and just enjoy a good meal. And notice, he says, if people around you don't have enough, you make sure that they're taken care of. How am I supposed to do that if I don't gather together with other people to know what they're Fine, in my home, I got, I got plenty of Coke. I got plenty of meat. But I don't know if you don't, unless we gather together. They got together and they had a celebratory meal. Do you know what we call that today in 2021, the Church of Jesus? Anybody know what it's called when we have a celebration meal as the people of God? Nobody said potluck. Thank the Lord. Oh my goodness. That's the most unlucky thing you can go to. You don't know. It's called the Lord's Supper, everybody. Our celebration meal, this side of the cross, when the people of God come together as instructed by Paul and Corinthians, when you come together to take the Lord's Supper. That's exactly what we're going to do today. We've gathered together in this space and there's been a reading of God's word. There's been an explanation. There has been worship. There is diversity in our group. And now we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. There's a coming together. So what do we do with all of this? I started off with the question that was kind of tricky. What is the church? Is it a, a person, a place, or a thing? And the answer to the question is this. Yes. It's yes. The church is a person because it is the people of God, not singular. 
See, in all 114 uses in the New Testament, the word church is ekklesia in the Greek. And all 114 times, it is used as people or assembly of people. To which you might say, aha, see, Pastor Keith, it's never used as a building. So this is, this is wrong. It's not Blaze Church. It should just be Blaze. It, it's not a building. So let me push back for a moment. What did I say ecclesia is? People, not person. Every single time it's used, 114 times, it is only used in the plural, never the singular. You are a singular person. Again, just blowing your mind today with crazy stuff you never thought of. You are singular until you singular gets together with other singulars and then you singulars become you collective. You become a plural. So here's the teaching point. You are not the church. We are the church. You are not the church. On your own, it's not good for you to be alone. We together, the people of God, are the church. And so the answer to the question is yes. We, the people of God, come together as the church in a location to be the church and we have church somebody. And what that means is we sing, we worship, we celebrate God's word, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we have community with one another, we encourage one another, we serve one another. There's over 30 one another commands in the New Testament that you could never fulfill on your own. And so we, the church, come together and we are encouraged in our coming together. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? All of you together. The you that's used there is once again plural, not singular. It's all of you together. And so we become the temple of God. Why? Because Jesus who declared, if you destroy this temple, I will raise it in three days, was destroyed so that you and I might become his temple. Who's thankful for that? So that you and I might become the place wherein God's presence dwell and we come together. So let me ask you a very direct question. Does this matter to you? Does gathering together matter? Is it a priority to you? Is it so important that you would say, on Sunday mornings, because Blaze Church is my church, at 9.30 or 11, the priority goes to gathering together. And what I love about this message is, very obviously, I'm coming off of missing a Sunday. That's intentional, everybody. <laughs> You're like, yeah, but you weren't here last week. You should listen to your own message, bro. Okay, intentionality, stay with me. This isn't about a sticker chart that's full of stickers on every single Sunday. This isn't about you're better than somebody because you never miss a Sunday. This is about have you realized that we can never embrace complacency and compromise and say, yeah, but that form of gathering together just doesn't work anymore. I don't need to gather with other people. Is it a priority to you? And maybe it's not. And I want to provide possibly two reasons why it may not be. The first reason why this may not matter to you is because you've been hurt by the church before. You've had a leader that manipulated you into maybe giving under compulsion. You had a, a pastor or a small group leader or another church member that promised they were living for the Lord and then it came out that they really weren't and you're hurt. And so you've given up on gathering 
And the fact that you're here today is nothing less than a miracle. And I want to say thank you for gathering today because that takes a lot to come into a church space if you've been hurt by the church. And here's my encouragement to you. Don't cast the flaws of flawed people on the flawless God who loves you. Don't give up on him and don't give up on his bride. His bride's messy. He's presenting us without spot or wrinkle and that's a process of sanctification and it's not a justification of manipulation or sins of leadership. And I would encourage you this way. As you find a new church to gather in, and maybe it is Blaze Church, do so slowly, heal slowly, but don't, don't heal in isolation because it's not good for you to be alone. Let me speak to another group of people, and I'm not going to be as kind in my voice. <laughs> maybe this doesn't matter to you because you have a laptop now. Because you can just tune in to Blaze Church or any church at any time you want and you've just bought into this that it's the exact same thing to be home with an online church. And my prayer for you today is that you realize it is just not the exact same thing. All that we just read in Nehemiah 8, gathering together, the reading of God's word, the explanation of it, corporate worship, encouragement, serving the Lord's Supper, it happens as we gather together, and I want to give you this challenge. Make gathering together a priority in your relationship with Jesus. Make it a focus. Parents, make it a focus for your family. Make it a focus for your kids. Show them, no, this is, this is what we do on Sundays, that we gather together. You're going you're gonna to want that heritage in them. You're going to want that foundation and that legacy in them for the rest of their life. Embrace this, guys. This is part of our culture here at Blaze Church. And I'm thankful that you're here today under a little, a little bit of a push, a, a little rethinking the church style message. But no, my heart is, as we said at the beginning, that you would flourish, that you would be planted in the house of the Lord and experiencing fruit bearing until every season of life. Can we give God praise for that promise and his truth? Amen. <laughs> Worship team, let's, let's come up here and come together. And I want to pray this prayer that David prayed that we read from Psalm 27 over each one of you today. And if it is your prayer, I want you to join me in it. David said what? One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord, that I might be in his courts. And I want to pray that that would be your prayer, that you would desire, God, the one thing I'm asking you for is that you created me a heart that values gathering together with others to be in your house. So would you bow your heads with me in this moment as we pray? And if you're saying, Pastor Keith, I'm with you in that. I want that to be my prayer. Maybe it's a struggle for you today, and I get that. Maybe it's something that you're trying to figure out. Yeah, but how do I do that? And I've so embraced the conveniency of online and streaming, and, and, and how, how do I come here? But you want that heart. As I pray, would you like me raise your hand to the Lord to say, God, just created me a heart that says one thing, one thing I want is to dwell in your house. Come on, I'm gonna pray, and if that's you, let's raise our hands in this space. Father, we are praying today that our prayer would be like David's, that we would pray that prayer out. One thing I want, God, there's so many things I could ask you for. There's so many things that I could desire, but the one thing I want is what David said, that I would dwell in your house. God, may Blaze Church be filled with people who see the value, the importance, the command, the beauty of gathering together as we rethink the church and its meaning and its relevance and its priority in our lives coming out of this season as a humanity. I pray, God, that we would be people who value gathering together.
to worship our God, to declare, Jesus, how I need you. I am desperate for you. And so, God, I thank you for the authenticity of this room. As we're just waiting before you, praying, Holy Spirit, change our hearts. May it not just be for a moment. God, may we know this to be true every day of our life. Next Saturday, next Sunday morning, may this word ring true in our hearts that we say, I'm going to gather in the house of the Lord today. I'm going to go be the church with some people. Thank you for all you're doing, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stay in a posture of prayer for a moment. You might be here and you're hearing about a community of people. You're hearing about the family of God, the people of God. You're saying, but how do I become part of that? Jesus is how. He alone is how. You're not accepted by God because of a perfect church attendance record, because of your abilities, your righteousness. And you're not disqualified from his saving grace by how you've been living. But the God of the universe sent his son Jesus to this world to save you so that you might call on his name and be a part of the family of God. And if you want to call on his name in this moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer so that you might confess, Jesus, how I need you. And that you might know that you are forgiven, you are loved, you are accepted all because of Jesus. If that's you this morning, we're going to pray as a church and I'm going to invite you to make this prayer your own. Well, let's say this together. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died and rose again so I could be forgiven. Thank you for new life. Today, I give you mine. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, come on, let's celebrate with the angels in heaven right now as people in this space are making a decision to know Jesus.